what is brainwave entrainment? And can certain sounds and beats actually stop or retard the progression of Alzheimer's or dementia? Can they also help our daily lives and stress as caregivers? That's interesting. Stay tuned. You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional and financial strain does not have to be your MO. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello, everybody. It's Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. This is this is a show I've been really looking forward to doing for a while, actually, since I ever met our guest, Murray Zelkovich. Murray is a brainwave entrainment specialist, which is somebody who has the background and research and training to actually use sounds to help us alter, I would say, our state. Now, this sounds a little woo-woo. However, I'm going to let you know that this was confirmed or affirmed in a book called The End of Alzheimer's by, let me see, see, that's The End of Alzheimer's by Dr. Dale Bernson, who's an MD, and verified that some of the things that Murray is doing actually help reduce some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's or memory loss. Now, beyond that, this is also going to help us as caregivers with the stress and the strain and the not sleeping at night and everything else. In fact, I will endorse this myself because I have recently started listening to some of Murray's recordings myself, and my sleep hasn't been so good, I'll be honest with you, but I've been listening to them and have slept solid right through. Last night, I did not listen to them, and I was up four times, and I didn't listen to them this morning, and well, we'll see what happens. Today has been a mess. But on that note, Murray, thank you for joining me here today. I'm so glad you're here as my guest. And it's been a delight to get to know you and learn more about what you do because I find this brainwave entrainment, it's a subject I didn't even necessarily know that much about other than people talked about the woo-woo state of listening to sounds and white noise, which I listen to, and sound baths at night, which also helped. But yours is better. Well, thank you for having me, Nancy. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, what I do takes advantage of natural processes in every human brain. First of all, none of us hear anything. So the term sound is kind of funny because nobody's ever heard anything on this planet ever. What happens is, and if any of you are sitting at your computers, you can prove this to yourselves, just put your hands over the speaker. Or if you're listening over your phone, put your hand over your speaker and you'll feel it vibrate. That's what a voice does. It's actually carrying vibrational patterns. They get in through the ears primarily, different bones, different tissues vibrate, send signals to the brain. The brain interprets those signals as what we call sound. So basically anyone listening to this podcast and my voice right now, if you had the ability to record my voice, not by using your phone, but by actually recording it the way you hear it, everybody's recording would be subtly different. And that denotes the differences in how the brain interprets the vibrations as what we call sound. So there used to be an old riddle 
if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound? Or does a bear pee in the woods? <laughs> well, it would be more about if you're hearing a bear pee in the woods. <laughs> well, you might hear that too, if you're yeah. close enough. <laughs> but you don't actually hear. It's all about vibration that's created. And then the vibration gets translated by the brain into what we call sound. I find this rather interesting because we've been having this battle in my house where my husband will talk and I don't hear anything he says. Now, some of that is sometimes I tune it out purposely. So <laughs> hopefully he's not going to listen to this episode. <laughs> Occasionally he does. But on the other side is that I know the sound of his voice seems to be deeper now than it had when we were younger. And it sounds to me, or it seems that that sound is fading. Maybe I'm losing my hearing, hopefully not. But my ear is that the vibration is not picking up like it normally does. That's part of this whole concept of we don't hear anything. Well, maybe sometimes on purpose, like I said, but that's, that's for another episode. Well, as, as we grow, as we age, structurally, we change. Right. So your ears are subtly changing in structure. Your husband's larynx and throat and tongue and everything else is changing as well. So that would accommodate or account for the differences in the voice. Tell me a little bit about some of the research that you've done and even how you got into this yourself, because I find it fascinating and it's quite a unique story and understanding how this research and then the recordings that you've created have helped your own health and well-being. Actually, everything was created for me by me. I had no desire or intention at all to help other people. Originally, what happened was the first 40 years of my life, I wanted to be dead. That's a big statement. Yeah, well, I would wake up every single I'm glad you're not. Yeah, me too, actually. I want to live forever now. So there you are, two extremes. But I used to wake up every morning, cross my fingers, look out the window, and hope I would see mushroom clouds. Mm. I had a very powerful affirmation that I used on a nonstop basis. Life is a disease for which there is no cure but death. And that's pretty heavy. I repeated that over and over and over in my head out loud, you know, probably thousands of times every day. So affirmations work. It's interesting that you mentioned that because there's somebody that I knew back in, in her old home state who used to say that her husband would get up every morning. Now she heard these two and he'd do push-ups next to the bed and say, I hate my life. I hate my life. I hate my life. And can you imagine somebody who says that out loud? You may not feel that way yourself, but you hear that all the time. So I'm on the same boat with you. And I hear a number of caregivers who are just so overwhelmed. Sure. As well. And in such a situation that that they don't want to continue. And if this is you, this show is even more important. And I hope it I hope it's not. Well, this is what inspired me. I mean, there were a lot of other things, thousands of injuries, thousands of voices in my head. I mean, I had tons of stuff going on and I decided at some point, you see, the first thing was to self-medicate. So I became a drug addict. I became an alcoholic. I became a sex addict. It wasn't uncommon for me to have three dates in one day. Whoa. Yeah. Well, that was like, that was like been there, done that, you know, too many times actually, but it was all about trying to distract myself for a couple of minutes. From the pain. From the pain, from the fear, from the, from everything. And I know I shouldn't be saying when I talk about sex that it's only distracted me for a couple of minutes, not exactly bragging rights, <laughs> but it is what it Hopefully is. Hopefully nobody that you dated back then is listening <laughs> it is. It is what it is, though. I don't, I'll, I'll stand by it. <laughs> so the bottom line, though, was after that, 
and I was still addicted for many decades, but I started trying other things. So I saw doctors, I saw clinicians, I saw social workers, I saw psychiatrists. Nobody could help. I uh, started looking in the, like off of the mainstream. So things like hypnosis and meditation and EMD and a whole bunch of other things. Again, nothing helped. But along the lines, I was learning things. I realized upon trying all these hundreds of different techniques, not getting any satisfaction or any help, that maybe I needed to understand more about what was causing my problem. And I identified my problems up here. And I started studying the brain. So I was studying neurophysiology, neurochemistry, quantum physics, perception, psychology, you know, pretty much anything I could find that might have something to do with how I saw the world and why I saw it the way I did. As I was doing all this research, I kind of started getting an understanding of how I thought my brain was working. And one day I came across this thing called brainwave entrainment. Now, I wish I could tell you I invented it, but I didn't. But what happened was I came across it and it seemed to tick all the boxes. So I tried it and it did absolutely nothing. Hmm. And then I found that there were a lot of people doing it. So I tried a lot of different methods, like a lot of different, I guess, philosophies, methodologies, still no results. And I was about to give up when I suddenly realized, because I've been researching all this time, that brainwave entrainments never changed. It's always the same. So like what they were doing 30 years ago is what they're doing today. And it seemed to me in nature, everything changes. Even when you look at a mountaintop and it looks the same from a distance, the foliage is different. The rocks have eroded a little bit here and there. Maybe there's some breakage. There's always change going on. Sure. Hey, I used to have a full head of hair. <laughs> okay, there's a change going on. So it seemed to me natural that change should be happening. And yet, if something doesn't evolve, if something doesn't change, then it's not following nature. So I thought, maybe I'm going through all this because I was supposed to come across entrainment and I was supposed to change it. I was supposed to make it different. And that's what I did. I started applying all my knowledge and all my research and all my theories to one individual recording. When it was finally ready, it took me a month to try it Okay. because the first two weeks, keep in mind, I pretty much exhausted everything in the world that I could find. It, Natural, it, drug, whatever. That sounds exhausting and, in itself. Not a long, <laughs> Well, it's 40 years of right? looking. It's a long time. Right? It is. But the nice thing about time is all we really have is now. So 40 years is gone. It doesn't matter anymore. So what happened was I decided, okay, I'm going to use it. But for two weeks, I was scared to use it. What if it didn't work? This is my last chance. Then after two weeks, I got over that. And then I didn't listen for another two weeks because I thought, what if it did work? So you're a slow learner. Okay, I got it. <laughs> what would it do? I was scared. What if it made it right. worse? Oh. Right? I didn't know. So I tried it and I felt nothing. Huh. It was a 30-minute recording. It sounded exactly like it was supposed to sound. Everything was there, and yet I felt nothing. I got very disappointed. But all of a sudden, two things happened. The first thing, I had this thought, very depressing thought, 40 years and I'm screwed. And yet, right away I told myself, what do you expect? 40 years of suffering and you really think one half hour listening is gonna change your life? So I'm gonna hold it right there. And I want to hear what happens next. 
Elder Care Success, as you know, has reached its 100th episode. And 2024 is going to be a great year. Even if you're going through a little bit of stress or a lot of stress and strain in caring for somebody that you love. And thankfully, we're being of help to many. Here's a comment from one of our listeners, Karen Klink, that I'd like to share with you. Hi, this is Karen Klink. I am a daughter with a mother with dementia and long-term care. I listened to Dr. Ellen Power and Nancy, and I just wanted to say what a great episode that was. Relevant to me, it spoke to me. He was a great advocate for good care and that the caregiver can live a good life. It was positive. I really appreciated the whole thing. Goes thank you. Thank you, Karen. I'm glad that the show has been of help to you and your family too. And please, as I say to everybody else here, don't forget to share it with a friend, a family member, or somebody else who just needs a little extra help. On that note, let us get back to our show with Murray Zalkovich. So we're back with Murray Zalkovich. And he's going to tell us what happened next after all the disappointment. So I'm sitting here. Just don't hold me in suspense in suspense anymore. I can't even get the words out. I'm so worried about <laughs> what's going to happen next, Murray. Tell me. Okay. So what happened was, again, I had that thought, depressing thought. That was my last hope. I'm toast. The rest of my life, I'm going to have to live like this. Ugh. You have to understand that I tried to kill myself at least six times. But in reality, I think if I really wanted to die, once should have been enough. So when I couldn't find a way to die, I had to find a way to live. And that's what this was all about. That's entirely what this was about. The thing is, though, I had this horribly depressive thought seconds after it ended. It didn't work. It didn't help. It didn't this. It didn't that. And right away pops into my head, you know what? What did you expect? 40 years of pain and 30 minutes is going to get rid of it and all. You're beating yourself up over this as well. I calmed myself right down. Huh? That had never happened before. That would have turned into a six month depressive episode. So it did work. Before. Or it's starting to. Well, it showed signs that it was going to work. The other thing is, five minutes later, I started hearing the voices coming back. And I never experienced, before then, I never experienced a waking hour without thousands of voices in my head. Huh? So two things happened that I didn't realize at first, but I realized within five minutes were massive changes in my psyche, massive changes in the way I was thinking. And that just inspired me. I ended up creating my very first system called Quantum Mind Power based on that experience. And since then, I can't turn off the creative juices. I have new technologies, new techniques. I have visual entrainment systems that I've created now as well. I mean, I have 23, 24 products that have been released. I'm so fascinated with what you're doing because it has the potential to, well, in the right, in the hands of people who need it to do so much good for others. Now, I want to get into the aspect of beyond the stress that we as caregivers are going through, because you've been through this and taking care of your own mom and everything, everybody else there. And so you know what that's like. It's, I, I, I like to say you're one of us uh, on that <laughs> front. However, Dr. Dale. Dr. Dale Bredesen. Bredesen, thank you. Dr. Dale Bredesen, who has, who actually reinforced what you were doing in the, I wouldn't say it's not the curing because we really don't have a cure for Alzheimer's, but certainly a way to help relieve some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or anything else that is going on there. 
tell me a little bit about what he found and what how he's using it and your work on that front. So Dr. Bredesen wrote the book, The End of Alzheimer's. And in that book, he introduces a system he developed called Recode. And he actually has research based on his Recode system that shows that Alzheimer's can be halted and even reversed to some degree in certain cases. There's things we all do that are just not good for us that we don't know are killing us slowly because they're killing us slowly. It's too slow for us to know that everything we're doing is hurting ourselves. Like, you know, artificial sense, like Febreze, right. like any of this kind of stuff. It all just, we're rusting ourselves out from the inside. It's like a car, right? You see rust on your car. Right. It didn't start that day. It started years before it finally broke through the surface. That's the kind of idea. So in his book, he actually, when he was writing his book, he was looking around for techniques and systems that might be able to help with different things. He found a program of mine called Revitamine, which was designed specifically for cognitive impairment and seniors issues, learning, students, that kind of thing. So not just Alzheimer's, but ADHD or- Oh, a lot of different things. Spectrum issues. Lots of stuff. So when he found it, he actually checked it out and he decided to include it because it helps with things, or he found it helped with things like sleep. It helped with things like processing, you know, mental processing, speed and ability. So, and stress and anxiety. I'm sure everyone can imagine what it's like to get a diagnosis that you have Alzheimer's disease. Oh, or any, or cancer or anything else. Or cancer right. or AIDS or whatever. It's scary. It's frustrating. It is stress inducing. It's anxiety producing. All of these things can be helped with brainwave entrainment because again, all these feelings happen because thoughts create brainwaves. Brainwaves create chemistry. And the chemistry creates our ability to experience what we're thinking or being afraid of or being excited by. So if you're bored, if you're excited, if you're happy, if you're sad, that's all chemistry. And the stress and the strain of all of that, as you obsess about it emotionally and mentally, just adds more damage to the body. Now, right. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure we all kind of know that just instinctually that the more stress we add to our lives and the worry and the fear and everything else, the worse we feel and yeah. the end result is not good. Right. That's right. But understand that this isn't just for the patient or the person suffering from the stress or anxiety or sleep issues. Caregivers use this on a regular basis as well because it's not a pill. It's not like it's targeting certain proteins or cells in the body. It's something that works on our brains and everybody has a brain. And because of that, stress is an anxiety is a big part of being a caregiver. When I was helping out my parents and when my brother was helping out my mom and my dad mm -hmm. for those five years, it was horribly stressful for them, but it was incredibly stressful for us too. I just did an episode on, I call it PTSC, post-traumatic stress for caregivers. It's not oh. PTSD. Well, it is, but <laughs> it's something that, that we all need to be aware of. Oh, for sure. And you need to take care of yourself because if you're not well, you're not going to be any use to someone else who needs you. And it's the last thing we do. When it's caring for somebody else, because our first charge is taking care of somebody else. But, um, but there's right. ways that and they can take, take care, care of, of us too. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. So this kind of technology can be used by everybody. And that's the thing. It doesn't matter what medicines you're on. There's no contraindications. It's, nat it's natural. It's like listening to your favorite music, except more scientifically targeted. So tell me a little bit about how it works, because I've tested it and tried it this last, this past week and a half or so since you gave me this, the samples to try. And as I mentioned earlier, before we started the show, or as we started the show, 
I've actually found that I'm sleeping better yeah. and that my days are a little bit more organized because everything loads up and one thing leads to another. And I didn't listen this morning. I didn't listen last night. And today I will let you know, listeners, that it has not been a pretty day. <laughs> In fact, I couldn't find Maury and I know we we're supposed to do this, this recording. I'm like, help me. Where are you? I had to find his phone number online. Everything had just gone to hell in a handbasket. But I found you. Thank you. Did. you did. <laughs> Nature gives us everything we need. And our brains do everything they're supposed to do in the proper circumstances. But when we live in nonstop stress, we get tired. Yeah. It's like take your hand and do this, make a fist. Okay. Hold it for an hour and see how you feel. I don't want anyone to do that. By it's the already way. cramping up, just making there the you fist, go. right? It, it, within you go. the first few seconds. Right. So that's my point. We're not designed to be stressed. Cortisol is there as a stress hormone, but it's there to protect us. It's not there to be all the time. So when I use my recordings and when my clients use my recordings, it's a matter of, look, things are going to happen that we are going to interpret as bad. That's life. It's going to happen. But how quickly do you recover from it? And how badly are you affected by it when it happens? That is the real thing that matters. The more stress, the more consistent stress we put our bodies and our minds under, the more likely we are to break down. And a little bit of stress is good for us because that yes. helps build up our resiliency to be able to handle yeah. those tough days and those difficult decisions and when things don't yeah. go well, including like today for me. But <laughs> <laughs> it's getting better. I'm with you. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. But One of the constantly, it's not. Well, you see, I don't believe in fact and I don't believe in truth. Okay. Because when I do, it closes my mind. Mm. And I don't like having a closed mind. So I prefer to accept everything that comes in. And five minutes from now, I may change everything I'm saying right now. But right now, this is what I call my current understanding. And I believe that works better for me. Now, whether it works better for you or not, that's up to you to decide if you were to choose to try it. But from my perspective, the human brain is not a hard drive. It is a data processing unit. And I believe most people that I've come across tend to use their brains as a hard drive, you know, somewhere to store information that other people say. And it'll shut down sometimes when it gets too full. We, yeah, we need to use that information. We need to think. I mean, we have a brain. There's a reason why we have a brain. You know, it, it's hilarious to me. Your neurons, by the way, which are your brain cells, you have neurons in your heart and in your gut as well. So, you know, people say, I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my gut. That's true. You literally are feeling it in your heart and your gut. So when you have a decision to make, if the head, the heart, and the gut agree, you're not getting any problems with any of them, then that's probably the right decision for you. It's sort of that intuitive feeling. You, you naturally know whether it's right or wrong. That's right. And that's science. Even miracles and magic aren't miracles and magic. They're just science that hasn't been explained yet. I love that that's explanation. All. I wish I could claim credit for it. I think it was Einstein who said it. Oh, well, well, yeah. Murray Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the bottom line is we are all our own experts and gurus. And Tony Robbins, who is very smart and very successful, Oprah Winfrey, another one, very smart, very successful. These are people who, if they gave you their blueprints that made them famous and successful and happy, and you followed it, it wouldn't work for you. Because we're all different. That's right, because you're not them. So you need to adapt. You need to 
reinvent, reinterpret, and mold everything to fit you better, then if you feel like it's still relevant to you, then take action and you'll see things will work better for you. But don't try to follow other people's laws and rules because they won't apply to you. Well, and there's so many different factors that are coming in from different areas. So it's nothing is static. That's right. Even how people react to some of the recordings that you've done and how that works may be different. They may react faster. They definitely flow slower. It might not work at all, but you know, I different effects. Yeah. Different effects. Everybody's brain. You see, your brain is the star of my work, not me. (laughs) And your brain knows what you need. And your brain, given the right circumstances, will give you what you need. You need to sleep. It'll help you to sleep more. You need to think faster. It'll help you to think more. You need to be more creative. It'll help you to be more creative. You can literally listen with intention and guide your brain into whatever it is that you want to do. The thing is, I prefer to let my brain just do what it wants. Because in my experience, and I'm not speaking for you or any of your listeners, but in my experience, I'm wrong every time I pick a direction. (laughs) So rather than me picking a direction anymore, I've decided, you know what? I'm just going to trust that the right things will happen at the right time. And interestingly enough, that's how things happen. I mentioned earlier that there's, I don't believe in good or bad either. And people say, well, what about children who get a horrible disease and die or something or or other people who are in pain their whole lives. You know, our perspective, my current understanding says that our perspective is the problem here. How do we know that in the grand scheme of our existence, whatever that is, right. that this lifetime, 80 years, 100 years, 150 years, whatever it's going to be, isn't just the same amount of time when we stub a toe. And you know, when you stub your toe and it hurts like crap for like yep. 20 seconds and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. How do we know this entire life isn't just that? Just 20 seconds. It it's seems just 20 like seconds it's been a lifetime. May, that's right, where we maybe stubbed our toe. The thing is that we are energy. Right. That's what we are. Literally, we're energy. So that would make our bodies robots, really. We're not wire. We're not, you know, metal. We're not that kind of thing, but we are skin and flesh and sinew and blood and veins. What makes you you? isn't the face you see in the mirror. It's the energy, the electricity that's running through you. It's everything on the inside that you can't see that you may not want to see without the skin on it. So, (laughs) And that energy is actually who you are. That energy is your personality. It's who and what you are. So it's already been proven that energy can't be destroyed. It can only be changed. Energy can be altered because everybody's personality is different and what they deliver to the world is different. And whether we have a cognitive impairment or not. All valuable. Or dealing with it. Before we wrap up, I want to be able to share with people how this actually works because you explained that it's the, the different tones from the left to the right ear and what happens and as the body or the brain accepts the sound waves that you've got. Sure. So there's something called the frequency following response. And before you all think this is woo-woo, remember the last time you listened to music you liked and you were just reflexively tapping your toes or bopping your head back and forth? That is a form of entrainment. You were entraining to the beat of the music. Or you get an earworm and you can't get rid of that tone and it's going on and on and on in your brain. That actually isn't entraining. Yeah, that's a different process. But what happens is your brain naturally will follow a frequency if it's within a certain range. So when I talk about a frequency, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about that kind of frequency. Your neuron, your brain cell pulses an electric frequency. And depending on how many times a second that frequency is released, 
and or that electricity is released and the location of the brain that that neuron is in, that dictates the kind of chemistry the neuron produces. That chemistry, when it mixes together with other chemistries, is kind of like a recipe. So if you're a good chef, you'll make something that tastes good. If you're a bad chef, you'll make a life that tastes bad. That's basically what I was doing my whole time. So the entrainment through the ba, 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 it takes about six minutes for the untrained brain to start following a stable frequency. So if I give you a frequency- a, Six minutes. Approximately six minutes, yeah. Huh. Ba, 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 ba. And then you'll be basically meditating like a master. And your brain will start getting a dominant number of neurons pulsing at the same rate as the audio or visual stimulation pattern that I'm presenting to you. That creates an abundance of neural chemistry, which then alters how we think. Because remember, our thoughts create brainwaves, our brainwaves create chemistry. The chemistry is the experience. If we can cause the brain to create different chemistry, your thoughts will naturally be different as well. How you feel will be different as well. And that is the real advantage to brainwave entrainment because it doesn't require thought. It doesn't require effort. You can even fall asleep while you're listening and it makes no difference. That's what I do. I put my little earbuds in. I lay down, listen to them, and then I wake up in the middle of the night and say, where is that earbud? It... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, no, I ate it. Oh, no. <laughs> the dog ate it. But, but that's the whole point. So the entrainment is natural. Right. That's the whole point. It's a natural process that was built into humankind from the first days we tapped sticks on rocks, we heard insects buzzing. All these things are geared towards activating different features of our brain. You know, this is fascinating. Well, that's the whole thing. And everybody has it. Everybody's brain has the ability to do this. Everybody has evidence that it happens. All we're doing with brainwave entrainment is we're guiding it more intentionally. Or efficiently. I was saying this is, you mentioned meditation. Sure. This is, sounds like you don't really have to practice. I want to say you don't have to practice meditation because this is like the meditation coach without having to think about it or sit silently. I'm going to guess that somebody who sits silently and meditates with no sound around them at all, and there's always some sound in the world, right? Doesn't do as well as somebody who listens to this. Well, this is almost like meditation on steroids. Could it be. is. And a lot of people don't understand about meditation. There's a lot of information that just isn't true about a lot of things out there. Meditation, the biggest thing I was taught when I was trying to learn meditation before was empty your mind. Yes. And if a thought comes into your mind, say, thank you. I appreciate you. I acknowledge you. But now is my time to be still with myself. I will promise I will give you all the attention you deserve later. That's a load of garbage as far as I'm concerned. Meditation, when it's done properly and with brainwave entrainment, that's one way to do it, is whatever comes to you is valuable when it comes to you. You shouldn't ignore it. You shouldn't push it out of the way. Accept it. Let it let happen what happens. If you think about it, you think about it. One of the benefits of properly engineered entrainment is it can help you to do all of that reflexively so you don't even have any conscious awareness. Uh, lost time is common. Mm-hmm. I've listened to recordings that were half an hour long that felt like they were five minutes long. I've listened to the same recordings another time, and it felt like it went on for hours. So time and place sometimes makes a difference. Time and space doesn't really exist. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> it's a perception. That's all it is. It's a perception. It actually doesn't exist. Think about it for a second. Do you remember what you had for dinner last night? A good question. Uh, no. Well, you ate. Did you eat yes, dinner I last did night? Yes, I did eat dinner Okay. Last night. So my question for you is, when I asked you that question and you thought about what you had for dinner last night, when was it for you? 
like in time and space. When was it? When was around seven o'clock at night? No, no, no. I understand the question. When was it for you when I asked you the question? It was now, right? Correct. And when you ate, it was now for you also, correct? Because you can't eat in the past. You can't eat in the future. All right. I think this is going to have to be for another episode because this is going to be <laughs> okay. I think I'm going to get into, is, a, into an argument, not, not necessarily, but a constructive discussion. <laughs> the bottom line is you can't chew and you can't breathe in the future. That's true. And you can't chew and you can't breathe in the past. That means all we have is now. That's a very healthy way of thinking about it. I would agree. You can't change yeah. the past. You can only change what's happening at this present moment in time. Deal with now and everything else takes care yeah. of itself. Most people are too concerned with the future or the mistakes they made in the past. And the thing is, the future hasn't happened. And if it hasn't happened, there's no reason to think about it. It's now. Take care of now. Make sure you're nourished now. Make sure you're hydrated now. Make sure you're taking care of your mind now. Make sure now, now, now. Everything is now. When you take care of now, when now comes tomorrow, it'll be a lot better. Yeah, it's a good way of thinking about it. Aim for the, the objective, but do it in the present. Right. Yeah. The, you know, that whole thing, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today is a very wise statement. I love it. Well, thank you, Murray. This has been a wonderful discussion. You and I have talked before with other friends and colleagues on this and, and many other things, which is always a way to nourish, I think, my soul and my ideas and how we can serve this community and others even more so. So thank you so much. Brainwave entrainment. <laughs> I keep on wanting to say entrenchment. Yeah. But it really is something that you should look into or at least consider, especially for yourself as a caregiver, for those that you love who may be going through the early stages of diagnosis of some sort of cognitive impairment. But maybe this is a way to actually help them reduce the pain, the anxiety, the fear, the frustration, and yourself at the same time. It's something you can do together. It's not difficult and it's kind of fun. <laughs> and I can almost guarantee you will sleep better. Done that, been there, done that, doing that. There'll be details and points on how to reach Murray and some of his tools and tips and techniques and resources that will have available as well. I love what you do, Murray. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you here as a guest, and we'll have to do this again, not in the future, but in the now. Ah, uh, there you go. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been a delight, and I look forward for much, much more to come. For those who are listening, please share this with a friend or family member or somebody else that you know who is going from some stress and strain and really maybe not sure what to do. This is just one of the many tools that they can use and that is easily at their disposal. It can be your gift to them, and it's easy because it's my gift to you. Take care. We'll see you soon, and we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step -step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright Caremanity LLC. 